Welcome to Driven by Music, a podcast fueled by Firestone. In this podcast series, we will chat with emerging talent and industry professionals about big topics in the UK music scene right now. In this week's episode, Jack, the lead singer from Scottish band The Snuts, and their manager Callum will tell us all about The Snuts' journey and their amazing success up until this point. Get ready for this week's episode about making it big. Hello, I am your host, Abby McCarthy, and my first guest today will be Jack from The Snuts. For people who don't know much about the guys and their music yet, let me tell you a bit about this band. The Snuts are four best mates from just outside Glasgow who make huge anthemic indie tunes. I first heard about them from my friend Chris, who promotes shows in Scotland. They were the band that everybody was buzzing about up there. I then saw them live myself, and I totally got it. They put on an incredible, energetic show. The Snuts have gained immense popularity over the last few years, as I say, starting out in Scotland and then across the UK. I want to find out what it took for them to achieve their success right up until this point, and if they even have the feeling they have made it. Or does the feeling remain that you constantly need to become bigger and better as an artist? Okay then, let's find out. Hey Jack, how you doing? Yo, thanks for having me, nice to speak to you again. Yeah, and you, it's been a while. I think the last time I saw you was when we were out in America last year for South by Southwest Festival, which seems like a distant dream. So sad, I was actually looking at pictures today. Because uh, I'm putting some pictures on my wall and stuff like that, and I was looking through some of those ones in Texas and stuff like that, and I was thinking just how how good that time that actually was. Yeah, that <laughs> was that was so amazing because I remember you totally. This was yeah, you totally packed out this venue in America, and it was your first time over there, wasn't it? So you kind of went with no yeah. expectation, and then yeah, the response you got was just mad. It was amazing. And I know for like for the whole time we were there, not one person understood a word that I was saying. <laughs> Yeah, like the Scottish accent didn't really translate, I don't think. <laughs> no. Um, it was good. It was good fun as long as the music translates. That's all that matters. Well, exactly. Let the music do the talking. Now, I uh, see that during lockdown, you've turned to TikTok. Apparently so. Apparently so. <laughs> this is, uh, is kind of happening without, out with my head, like out with my hands. The boys, um, side project. I'm not cool enough or young enough to actually know how it worked, TikTok. <laughs> Me and you uh, both. Oh man, so the boy the boys have been working on it, so it's certainly keeping them amused. Um so but now now we're working, I just try to use the thing positively, try and uh, do a bit of writing, kinda of write lots of depressing songs, stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good idea. Get but no, it's, it's 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 good, you know, it's just um I think it's a challenge, obviously, for musicians who are used to just kinda of having everything in front of them, kinda of being kinda of stripped back and having to see can you still kinda of create. Mm. when you're kind of isolated and I would, especially for bands when you're away from the band yeah it's yeah. Uh, certainly a challenge for us <laughs> are you all missing each other yet has there been any tears shed 100 <laughs> percent uh, because we're so even before we were in a band we're like we're with each other every day and it's just yeah of course it's just like your brother's been taken so but 
It's all good. It's all yeah. good. We've got a focus on the light at the end of the tunnel and Correct. the gigs and the scenes that are going to happen when lockdown gets lifted and things get back to normal because I'm sure exactly. people are going to want to see your band. And I should say congratulations, by the way. This is the first time that I've got to properly speak to you because your mixtape EP, it only yeah. went and charted, didn't it? A top 20 record, that. Congratulations. That's... Thank Lord, we've st- still got a job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So some great music out there from you guys. Some superb shows. Seeing you guys live was some is some of my favourite musical moments of like the last oh, eighteen months or so. So yeah, so you know, big big shows, killing it at festivals, and obviously you supported our mate Lewis Capaldi as well on a couple yeah. of tour dates, which must have been pretty epic. Pretty intense. It was like uh, you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> try 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 to follow like a holy superstar. Um, try going before him, sorry. But it was awesome, it was really good. I mean, we were kind of pretty nervous. I mean, we are nervous before all shows, but before that tour especially, mm. it was like really out of comfort zone. You know, his, his audience is completely different to what we've played to before and stuff like that. But I think that kind of, that challenge is always something that's good mm. when you're playing live and just playing to, playing to the kind of people who are going to love you anyway. Yeah. It almost kind of gets a bit, kind of, not, not great for your ego. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, your European tour obviously is going to have to be rescheduled because of yeah. everything going on. But how much are you looking forward to that tour? Oh, I can't wait. Um, we were, at the start of the year, we were over doing some dates in uh, Holland and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And we've done some dates last year in Spain. Um, and just kind of, you know, it's, it's quite great, I think, for our bands now, as you can kind of track kind of what what kind of people people are listening to you yeah uh, through your social media and stuff like that so we're getting a lot of um a lot of love to places like italy and poland and germany and stuff like that so that's so cool we're kind of we just couldn't wait just to get over there and just kind of see how it works over there yeah um, but, loved it. but again it's something that's just i think well this it just gives you something to look forward to kind of not living in the present too much it's nice to kind of know that you've got something in the future yeah definitely are there any shows like in particular you're like I can't wait to walk out to that crowd there? You know, somewhere you play where it always goes off. I think um, it's probably an obvious answer, but I think uh, you know this, when we plan our tours and stuff like that, we always leave our Scottish dates to the very end because we know by then we'll be tired yeah. and probably and need uh, some loving. <laughs> and uh, so whenever we we don't as a Scottish band we don't actually play in Scotland all that often. Mm. Um, so when we come back here it's just absolutely wild it's just like the crowds just uh, I know a lot of artists who are not Scottish say that as well that Scottish crowds are just unbelievable and it is true (laughs) yeah it's so true when I've taken like my Good Karma Club night on tour around the UK whenever we get to Scotland it's just like chaos but in the best possible way the most loud receptive crowd always without a doubt there's a real kind of togetherness in our Scottish crowd which is just nice nice yeah just like a real appreciation for music. It's, yeah, it's a lovely thing. 100%. And um, we were looking forward, we might be playing Glastonbury. And that's like my, my only dream I've ever had in my oh, life. I bet. Yeah, that's the big so, one, isn't it? So please, please still book us if you're listening. Yeah, Emily <laughs> Evis year. and Michael Evis love this podcast. Don't worry, they'll book you. Oh, it's all fine. God. It's all fine. <laughs> now, let's get on to the main topic of this podcast. So let's start by going all the way back to the beginning of the snuts so how did the four of you meet and you know when did you start making music and performing together um well it's been a 
it's been like a long road for us. I mean, the boys, Calm, Joe and uh, Jordan, they met when they were like, I think like three years old or something like that. Oh. So they've been together all the way through and I kind of met them when we were probably 10, something like that. Um, so, I mean, we just started making music and um, in the forests, the local forests and stuff like that in the fields. And uh, mm. obviously like the age of consent for drinking in Scotland is like 12. <laughs> so so obviously we, I was kind of started going about that and all our friends and stuff like that just all played music together Wicked. and then uh, eventually it just kind of turned into you know we don't want to go to this class we don't want to go to this class so we'll kind of go to the we'll go to the music room just to see what happens make some music um, so that's kind of how it started it was always just something it was always just one of the things that uh, we were always pretty rubbish at everything else I think and that's why we always decided to go towards the music love that because <laughs> um, yeah. we were awful <laughs> I think it's important for bands to be awful as well. You know, I don't think anybody ever starts out great, um, but we were truly awful and getting far, <laughs> far too drunk at shows. Um, just gave it up and got like real jobs and stuff like that and kind of thought, man, this, is, this isn't as exciting as what we thought it was going to be, you know, growing up. Yeah. So um, started again. I think uh, just like putting out music on the internet is just such a great thing. And I think it's, there's a lot of pressure, obviously, on people with the amount of platforms and the amount of uh, kind of social media mm-hmm. that's around kind of music now to um, for your music to be incredible for the start. Mm-hmm. But I think just putting out demos for people to hear uh, was the thing that really got us off the ground and really kind of put the wind in ourselves. So what is it then that, about the snuts that seem to just like click into place? Because like you said, you did some other musical projects and you were like, you know what, we're, we're not actually that good. What made yep. sense about the snuts? Were you just, you know, really proud of the music and you knew it felt right? I think so. I think, uh, like I said, we put out our first demos and stuff like that. We were just, I think we were like in a crisis point in our teenage lives. And it's just like... Um, we need to do something. We need to have some sort of ambition, some sort of determination. Mm-hmm. And I like, I know a lot of young people feel like that. Um, I think that's the thing that just kind of really spurred us on. We were desperate just to to be successful at what we were doing and just be able to take our music mm-hmm. to as many people as we could. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And you've done that. I mean, flash forward to 2020, assigned to Parlophone Records. You've got, what, yeah, half a million represent. monthly listeners on Spotify? You represent. know, all these sold out shows that we've been talking about, some big support slots, you know, loads of radio play, just an ever growing, really passionate fan base. But what stands out as like a really amazing moment? Um, I think probably going back to. Um, Going back to the American stuff, and I'm kind of like a recurring theme in this <laughs> conversation so far. But I think um, just going being able to in the space of that kind of first year and a half or two years, just going for absolutely nothing to being able to like we were we sold out a show in New York and uh, packed out these shows in Texas and mm-hmm. uh, packed out a show in LA, and it was just like you know it's an achievement that you maybe don't you don't record as much yeah in your life, but it's like in that moment, it's like just such kind of self-achievement and obviously putting your records out and uh, you know getting numbers and live gigs everywhere is great but I think it's kind of those uh, those moments of self-achievement that you stop and think like this is amazing. Yeah what are the markers for you of you know making it big is it like the amount of people that have listened to your music is it people that are buying tickets for your shows is it just like you know working towards an album what do you see as like a real marker of being a successful band? I think, um, I mean, I'm I'm a sentimental type, so I think it's like for me, it's um, 
people being able to kind of hear your hear your name and be able to say like that's like that's exactly who they are be able to describe your sound and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like super compared to any other musician and just for people to know your identity probably as an artist or a band and just to be un- undoubtedly good at what you do I think yeah, <laughs> that no. makes any sense I just think it's it's so important for bands just to kind of just be able to carve that even if it takes X amount of years or takes a bit of failure along the way I think if you can actually carve yourself out and pe- from what people thought you were to what you actually are mm-hmm. um, is something that's for me is always my goal mm-hmm. So all this success do your friends feel like you've made it and you know what do your your parents and your family say like how how are they finding all of this because obviously they've probably seen you play you know pub gigs or those smaller gigs when you were starting yeah. out that maybe weren't so good and maybe people weren't there and now they're seeing all of this unfold they must just be buzzing for you 100 percent. i don't know, like our, our parents are like all together and all our friends and stuff like that are super supportive they travel all over the country like my mum she actually goes to like far too many shows what a legend. Like she'll drive like she'll drive like 500 miles in that and then she'll be in the front row against uh-huh. the barrier getting elbowed in the head it's actually really <laughs> it's actually really distracting i bet yeah you're like hey man uh, you know everybody uh everybody supports her so it's great it's um you can see how much time i think that we put in it you know it's like it's 24 hours every day even in lockdown so i think it's uh it's good yeah, I oh, guess weird. the band is your life, isn't it? And you're just lucky right. that you you love it and you love the music and you love the fans and you know you get to live it because I guess it is a bit of a dream, really, isn't it? Hundred percent. We spent our whole lives, you know, just the only thing we did was we never went any holidays, any uh, any other events. You know, it was just concerts, just gigs, festivals. Growing up, it's just mm-hmm. looking up at a stage and saying, "I want that to be me." Yeah. I think uh, so. That's amazing. Now, a lot of musicians that I speak to, I feel like they're the biggest perfectionists. I don't know if that's the same for you, Jack, where when uh, you make a song, you're like, right, it really has to be, you know, the best. And even when you've achieved so many goals that you set out to do, you're kind of like, are we there yet? Is there more we can do? Are you super ambitious as an artist? A hundred percent. I think it's one of those, uh, it's, a, it's a real curse, but probably also a blessing. Uh like as an artist or a musician, you just want to um like I'll get a song mixed like twenty times and probably doesn't sound any different for the <laughs> after the fifth mix. But I think that's what's good. I think there's a I think it's one of the kind of few kind of industries probably left in the world where it isn't a, um isn't kind of just defined by, you know, how successful you are or how much how much money you've made or whatever. Because I think kind of artists are always wanting to just uh make sure their music's better. Yeah. All the time, just constantly progressing and just That's the only thing that matters, I think. More from Jack later on, where he's going to play us some live music. Now, though, let's chat to Callum, the manager of The Snuts. Hi, Callum. Thanks for joining us. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Good, yeah. Nice to speak to you again. Yeah, and you. So I want to find out the full juice and what it means to be an artist manager. So first of all, how did you discover the band and then when did you become the manager? Yeah, so um, I my background was that I was a tour manager before managing. Okay. I was a tour manager for a couple of years before I saw the guy. So um, I, I met them. Adam and I were already talking about going into management. The thing I liked about tour managing was actually kind of looking after the artists as people mm. and trying to get the best out of their performances. So aside from all the other things that you've got to do as a tour manager, I liked how 
I felt like I could influence their day and make their performances better. And there were certain things that I noticed that made them feel more relaxed or more creative and stuff like that. So we talked about management and Adam's background is more in the kind of business side. Okay. So as like a couple, it kind of, we felt like it would work well. We'd never done any, we'd worked together. I'd tour managed acts that he had on his indie label and stuff like that. Um, But we knew at some point we would probably end up working together. And so um, I went out tour managing, just kind of routine stuff. And first date of the tour I was on um, was a band opening. And they were so different to the act I was with at the time. For one, that was shocking to me. So I didn't even, (laughs) it was a kind of like, what the hell is these guys doing supporting the band I was with? Not because they were rubbish, but it's because they were just so different. But there was something about them that just amazed me. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know them at the time. I'd never heard of them before. Okay. And Jack was very funny between songs. And I just thought their songs in general were amazing. And there was something about them that I just liked, but they did their set and they, you know, they got off and piled into their cars and were gone. And so I continued the tour. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about them. I couldn't stop thinking how good the songs were. And it was a really small crap venue. But um, I just got in touch with them and um, I just sent them a message on, I think I might have emailed them or something, just said, you know, I I love you guys. And this is in April 2017. So we just talked about stuff. You know, it took a little while. What happened was we chatted for a couple of weeks, I think it was, and then we got on a call together. And I remember there was like a moment of silence when I answered the phone. I just think that they assumed I was a Scottish guy. <laughs> and it was kind of like they were all, oh no, I wish Jack was on the on the line as well, I'd be laughing. They, um, I think I infiltrated the band by my name being Callum, you know, natural common name in Scotland. So anyway, you know, we chatted and they told me about their plans and they were clearly very driven. But the way, you know, we, I just really liked them and I spoke to Adam about them and we just said, I just said, this band are great and I just really would love to work with them. And, and it became clear that the only way we're ever going to manage the band is just by starting to, to help them and then, you know, show them what we're doing. And then at some point we could talk about carrying it on. I helped them. I gave my friend a call that um, is one of the bookers for um, Kendall Calling. Oh, yeah. And um, shout out to Emma. And uh, yeah, she she literally had one slot left and I, I begged her to to get the snuts on it. It all kind of started from there, really. Um, and we just met, we kept doing stuff together. And, you know, Jack and the guys, they had their ideas. They, they'd already recorded an EP. The EP was amazing. And as Jack said to you before, you know, it was all just a case of getting their music out and getting it. It didn't matter that how good it sounded production-wise the songs were so good and they clearly connected with people straight away yeah and kind of got on board it was just about kind of tightening things up in the industry side of things like conversations with promoters getting them an agent starting to talk to labels and just kind of doing all the stuff in the industry world our job really as managers is just to guide the vision of the band because mm-hmm. they're they're so strong they've got a very strong vision and that their standards are extremely high yeah so um yeah, that's that. That's kind of it for us. Um, we, and now we're at a point where, you know, even listening back to your conversation with Jack just now, some of these things, they're like a whirlwind. Things move so fast. There's always so much to do. Yeah. It's only really when you look back on them, you realise that they were really great times and that they were much bigger than they seemed at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I always expected, like, in last summer, they, they had a great show on the main stage at Transmit in Glasgow. Yeah, such a moment. And I always expected that moment to be, you know, one of those moments that I would just kind of, it would slap me in the face and it would be like, wow, I can't yeah. believe we're, we've come this far. But 
if I'm honest with myself, it was more. It was it was too. It was too in the moment to get to get sentimental about it in the moment. We always yeah. had we had too much to do. It was like we want to make sure that it runs well and that everything sounds good. And I was thinking about the fact that we had to drive to Manchester the next day to fly to America and all these things. It was an amazing thing, but there's always something else and you're always pushing yourself to the next level. Yeah, I guess because you're so in it, obviously you, Adam, the co-manager, and then the band, you're just like on this treadmill of just putting out music, having lots of meetings, taking loads of phone calls. Yeah, you probably don't get to realise how far you've come in three years, but as someone you know that is a fan of the band and is an outsider looking in, you know... The journey that you've been on, they've they've become established as one of the most exciting guitar bands, without a doubt. Oh, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we don't doubt we don't doubt anything. That, that you can't leave anything to chance with them because you yeah. always there's nothing that would surprise me anymore. From the moment we we first started working with them, they were selling out venues in a day, and then it became <laughs> minutes, and then it became you know <laughs> under a minute, and it, yeah. nothing surprises you. And the, the fact that they charted so easily with a with an EP recently, it just shows the fan base that they've got, and you know it's just so so exciting to be part of it. They've got great fans, yeah, the which fans- is the most important thing at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, the fans we should talk about because they are so dedicated and passionate and vocal, whether that's on social media, whether that's, you know, getting to shows early, the whole thing. How has this fan base been built? How have you and the guys worked together to to really gain a following? The the thing that started it, I think, was that they when the moments came for that it's all from live, I think, because live you're connecting so hard with the audience that's there and when the the guys were given key support slots in their hometown they relished the chance to be really good so um often they would play their local shows and just blow the headliners out the water and love it twitter would be taken over everybody would just go insane about how good they were and it was just about timing and you know they connected with their fans in the way that it was all about timing as well there was enough shows to keep them constant but there wasn't too many that it became saturated and there wasn't anything to look forward to and I think that the key points of the band developing was right at the end of 2017 they played a few support slots maybe like once a month towards the end of the year which followed with a headliner and I think once that moment came it was kind of like the fan base was just um, ready to explode yeah when do you think that, you know, festivals and promoters really kind of caught on to the band and were like, no, we, we yeah, we have to put them on? That one's, um, that, I, I think that moment comes when, you, when your team gets on board because you're, you could be the best band in the world and you just need those outer reaches to just try and push the name a bit more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was plenty of festivals to begin with that probably took a punt on the band because... They were taking our word for it in some live videos that they'd seen, but the demos were still to them. They were just demos, and they didn't. They weren't from Scotland. It wasn't. They weren't in the centre of the buzz. So we were just me and Adam and um, Jeff, the agent that we that we brought in. We were just really trying to just to big them up. We got all of the the festivals and the tastemakers that we aimed to get in the first kind of round of festivals when the band were coming through, um, and then from there, I mean, it, it, it is literally just that. They were good, and they packed out the rooms, and they but they get, they did good performances. So yeah. they didn't waste the opportunities that they were given. 
Yeah. You know, and if you're on at like second on midday, those things are, those are challenges to any band. Mm -hmm. But you go on and you almost kind of, it just felt like it didn't matter if they were playing to to a hundred or, you know, thousands of people, the show would have been exactly the same. Yeah. For any bands listening or new artists, how do they make it big? What have you learned through working with the Snuts that would be your wise words that you'd pass on to, to other people? I think if you're if you if you're thinking of starting a band, I would do it and I would take it seriously, but not too serious. But just be bad for a while. Get your <laughs> instruments and be bad. Yeah. You remember that the songs that you write originally, write them as good as you can, but remember that there's going to be better ones down the line. Just keep going. I, I, I love this uh, analogy that Ed Sheeran had one time. I just remember seeing this interview and it stuck with me. Is that when you're writing songs and when you're building, it's like running a tap and the water being really dirty to begin with. Mm. And then eventually, just as it starts to get clearer, so you've got to, no matter what, when you're starting something, it's always going to be a little bit messy. But you've just got to wait out that and just be persistent enough to get through it. And then at some point, you know, it's all going to come true. But just be nice be nice to the bands around you try and make relationships with the other acts that you like that are similar do lots of stuff and just try and get yourself out there as much as you can that's the main thing i think when some new bands start out and they're new to the industry and there's you know all these terms being thrown around they're like right i need a manager there's publishing there's label deals all of this kind of stuff do you think that's important to think about at the start or do you think it's just, you know, stay in your lane, keep releasing music and deal with that stuff kind of as and when it comes along? Yeah, I think so. I think you've. I think the most important thing to, to remember as a new band is that no one has a magic wand that's going to change your, your world. Yeah. And everything's essentially driven by you as a band. Even when you are signed, your, your vision is always going to be yours. And all of the things that you're doing are essentially as scary as it is. They are your destiny is always in your own hands as an artist mm -hmm. of how hard you want to push yourself and how much you want to give. Because all of these things like management and label and, and PR and agent, all they're there to do is to support your vision and to and to help you in the ways that they know with their expertise how to do it as good as possible. But you steer the ship essentially with with what you're doing. So I, I would say. To any acts that kind of get um, disillusioned by the fact that there's like this thing that will change everything, you're just getting better and more powerful when these these different elements of industry will join. And I think the main thing is just to focus on making good songs and performing well and connecting with fans. And as you go along, you'll, you'll just become more and more powerful and the possibilities mm -hmm. of things will become more because all the opportunities are there and there'll be 10 times more chance of doing cool stuff yeah i bet well callum thank you so much for your time and being on the podcast no it's problem. been yeah it's been great to catch up anytime jack how do you cope with pressure obviously now that your music's out there your fan base is growing you've really cemented your sound and the music's doing well like every time you put out a new track or an ep are you a little bit nervous 100%. I cope with pressure horrifically. Really? I'm in the, in the wrong job completely. I don't sleep in that. Oh, don't. <laughs> but it's like, but and that's good. I think it's one of the ones, like the pressure is one of the, I think it's one of the hardest bits and the better you do, obviously, the more, the more pressure it comes. You know, I think people think, you know, you get, you get a record deal or you're doing, getting these great festival slots and um, you're selling out everything that's just a walk in the park. But uh, in reality, it's just, 
more work and it's just much more pressure and harder. Um, mm. So are you striving for those kind of, you know, accolades like Brit Awards, Grammys, all of that? Or are you just happy to just be putting out music that is, you know, true to you? Definitely. I think one day, I think anybody that says, you know, I met a lot of people and producers and artists that say, oh, I don't care about that, I don't care about that, but everybody cares about that. <laughs> exactly. Everybody cares about that. Yeah. I, think it's, I don't think it's something that you should... Um, you know, you should be making music just so you can get. But if you um, if you're making music to you know to try and make it as special and as good to yourself as it can be, you know, that's, you're just done with so much more chance of getting there. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely, Jack. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Enough chat about music, though. I think we should hear some live music from you right now. So, what song are you going to play for us? Hey, I'm going to play uh, Coffee and Cigarettes off our, our last EP. Oh, Just yes. acoustic on my own. What a tune. Take it away when you're ready. Thanks very much. Why tell me sunshine with his blood upon your sleeve? I've heard the thunder and I'm shattered internally I watch my worries down the road and see the sea I feel this way our hope is incredible And all dreams of limousines have echoed in my head And all that I need I know is sleeping in my bed yeah, hoping glory isn't quite like Ali said I feel like coffee and cigarettes and Coffee and cigarettes and Coffee and cigarettes and Love, Beside your health and you caught up with your seat you ever wonder why the rains are falling at your feet? And no dreams of limousines seem to blow my mind. I feel these streams ring warm and steady still. And I feel these streams ring warm and steady still. And I feel like I've been held accountable. For futures I have seen Like I've been both formidable And never cry, never cry like how And all dreams of limousines have echoed in my head And all that I need I know sleeping in my bed yeah, hoping glory isn't quite like Ali said I feel like Coffee and cigarettes and Coffee and cigarettes and Coffee and cigarettes and We've come to the end of this episode of Driven by Music, a podcast fueled by Firestone. 
I really hope you've enjoyed listening and would like to thank our brilliant guests once again. Next episode, I'm going to be talking to singer-songwriter Matilda Mann about her road to the main stage. What's it like to go on tour? We're going to talk about the charms of waking up in a different city every day, but also about the struggles of feeling alienated from your friends and family who are back home. I'll speak to you soon.